Manu, thank you. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me, Burak. It's always a pleasure to have a, a great conversation with you. And uh, I would like to ask you, what inspired you to co-found Vama App? How does it aim to transform spirituality sector? So Vama App, uh, Rock, just for the benefit of people, stands for Virtual Astrology and Mandir App. Mandir is basically a Hindi name for temple. Um, so we are helping people discover their spirituality virtually uh, by going to accessing temples uh, that you can access it virtually. You don't need to physically travel. Uh, a lot of people in India have... Uh, You know, a lot of faith in large temples where you can't visit every day or every week also, right? It costs you money. Uh, it, there's a lot of time. So can we get you virtual access of those temples? Right. Uh, astrology as a service is a huge enabler to temples also if done the right way. Um, astro- so basically, the the how we look at it, right, is customers speak to an astrologer. Uh, and an astrologer would recommend you a remedy. Uh, the remedy could be either e-commerce led like a gemstone or it could be a puja or a spiritual offering at a temple. So as three of the founders, as we are, we thought the temple section is a difficult problem to solve. So why don't we solve the difficult problem first, right? Um, so that's how we got temples on board on platform. Today we have about close to 400 plus temples on Vama available where you can virtually uh, do Puja is the Hindi word, uh, basically pray virtually on, on the platform. Uh, I think what Vama is trying to do is trying to disrupt how spirituality is consumed in India. Everyone has a different meaning for spirituality. For someone, it, it is chanting, it is, uh, you know, it's offering some prayer. For a lot of us Indians, spirituality resides in temples. Right? Our faith is in the temple, is in the God. Uh, we are trying to disrupt that. And I think we have very early signs of product market fit of being able to do that. Uh, our journey starts Burak, from three, four co-founders. We all come from the telecom operator ecosystem. Uh, I think you'll be very surprised to know that telecom operators used to sell value-added services in India. Astrology was the largest selling value-added services business in 2016. They used to do $100 million a year. Me... Acharya and Himanshu, all three come from that ecosystem. We have seen that business very closely. Um, so I think that's how we come from. That's where we come from. So should you tell me about the Indian spirituality uh, domain? So what is the difference between other countries or other geographies? So I, I, from our early conversation, I know that I have also difficult to understand all of the, uh, uh, I mean, spirituality world in India, it was completely different. So we have to probably get a couple of meetings online. So should you also explain what is the difference and what are the inner differences of the Indian geography? So India is a very diverse uh, country, right? Everyone has, different. I think what Vama is building for Hindus, uh, Hindus pray at temple. Uh, so how can we build be the platform today. So I aspire to be a super app for Hindus uh, across the world. Today it is only in India, but across the world for you to help you pray, right? Uh, Indians usually pray to a God. Uh, so either you visit the temple or we virtually take you to the temple. 
We are able to do virtual donations. We are able to get you virtually connected to a priest. Uh, you're able to listen to uh, virtual songs about gods. Uh, and you can listen to that music. It helps you meditate. And you're doing your own meditation sitting at home. Or can you meditate with the Vama app? Right? That's all of it put together. Like I aspire to be... Like if you tomorrow are in India and you want to go to a temple... Uh, you can virtually visit the temple on Vama. Hopefully three years from now, you can even book a flight ticket from Vama for spirituality. You can go and we are, we are actually launching a pilot, Barak, for our first offline physical uh, tour in a city. It's called Ujjain. This is in Madhya Pradesh. Uh, so it, this is near Indore. Uh, so you can actually physically go there. And, you know, the journey starts from, because we have been doing e pujas or e-service in that temple uh, we used to get a lot of requests from customers saying that i want to physically go travel to that temple uh, can you help me my parents want to go uh, so we started to do good we were doing it very like offline uh, just doing it as uh, you know for customer love uh, then we started building a product on it so this product goes live from first of march so, mm -hmm. so how does the vama app address the unique needs of the It's users seeking for spiritual growth. So you have lots of users around the world. And what is your unique proposition? I think the biggest thing in Vama is that you can virtually do a puja. Puja is a spiritual offering to a god by a priest sitting in the temple. So we tied up with these priests sitting in temples. Uh, so you're literally connected to your favorite temple virtually online. You don't want to visit. And every Indian or Hindu, when he's growing up, uh, Burak, he's got affiliation to some god, some temple. You know, Hindus, even before you are born, the first starting name of your alphabet is determined by a priest, right? Uh, from the time you pass away and you die, your that procession also is done by a priest, right? Uh, very similar to other cultures across the world, I feel, also large. Right. So I think it is ingrained in our system of doing the spirituality. Uh, and we are trying to virtually provide you access to your temple when you were growing up in India. And now you can't visit that temple physically. It's far away. It costs you $300 to book a train, travel, or and then go there, uh, have, an, have a darshan or have an experience. How can we do that virtually today for you? So... Another question is why now? What are the trends and market forces that enable your product uh, thrive today? Because uh, not only Indian spirituality, but also all over the world, there is something changing. Yeah, yeah. No, Burak, I think we were uh, we were just before COVID is and the company started. I think whenever there is uncertainty or in the world, uh, people's faith increases uh, in a higher power or God, right? Uh, COVID was a great catalyst for faith. Uh, so if you see globally also, faith-led services, astrology-led services have done well. Uh, that happened. For us, what we believe has happened is the one of the biggest things. The One of the largest Hindu temples uh, has opened in India. It's the Ram Mandir. Uh, this has been going on for about a really long time. And that's finally opened in 2024. Uh, that's the biggest landmark moment for every Hindu there is another world, right? Every Hindu would want to visit that temple once, right? Uh, that's the biggest tailwind that we have got, uh, you know, in this space that I believe. But also, Barack, this space 
market is predominantly offline, very few online. And I think we are trying to build a market building it offline. offline. So are there any similar um, solutions in US, Europe, or other geographies all in the world? On the world? Um, so there are some. Uh, so there's, there's an app for Christianity, which connects you to churches, if that's a parallel. Uh, for Hindus in US, UK, or outside, or Indians outside, uh, we hope Vama is, becomes their first choice for use. But for other faiths, there are some apps. So for Christianity, there are two, three apps that exist today. How does technology play in your solution? Yeah, so I think uh, how we have built the product, it's a very asset-like product. We haven't deployed any cameras or any hardware at temples. We have trained the So it's literally our app that a priest can open, uh, come on a live stream, uh, do an audio podcast, do a video podcast, can do consultations one-to-one. Uh, so it's everything is inside the app, native, uh, tech first. You can speak to an astrologer, you can do astrology consultations, you can see content, uh, you can download your daily life report, how your 2024 is going to be. So all of that today is led by technology. What are the unexpected lessons you have learned while working on the product? Every day is a lesson, Yabura. <laughs> but I think uh, what we have realized, and I think, we, I think the three founders come from spending a lot of time either running businesses before or running jobs, right? So I think we've all been obsessed with customer reach, right? So we, I think we are all speaking to customers, trying to get something there. Like there are some thoughts that I have that look at this product is going to do very well. But customers don't take it up, right? So I think customers are the biggest product managers that a company can have, right? Like, I'm fortunate that we have had such things. What we have realized in India, especially for our sense, is that uh, Indians like to converse with a human on the other side. They don't want to just read text report saying that, okay, my day is going to be this, my day is going to be better. But they actually want to speak. They want to have a conversation with someone on the other side. I think that's been one of the biggest learnings for us. So can you also discuss some of the pivotal moments? I mean, you pivot the product significantly, impacting your uh, product's direction. Are there any pivotal moments in the uh, uh, recently or uh, since beginning? Yeah, I think, so Vama, when it started, was only an astrology part, marketplace, right? Like we only provided astrology as a service. Uh, We realized in the flow that when you go to an astrologer, the astrologer is going to tell you to speak to a priest, uh, to get a puja, to wear a gemstone. And that's how we literally pivoted. And it's today, Barak, that 70% of our users open Vama, use Vama for temple as a product, which was supposed to be a value-added service. So we pivoted into a spiritual first company versus astrology. So how did you understand there is a product market fit? Uh, so... How did you find the product market fit is actually running? I think uh, our repeat users uh, and our, is one of the biggest metrics for us. And I think we have been able to scale very efficiently uh, the product size. So I think for me, product market fit is as long as I'm able to scale my product without increasing any cost. And there is recurring user behavior that starts playing out, right? Uh, for us, that at scale has been happening. The product has existed offline from millennia, right? Uh, it's only that the virtualization of this product online will exist now, right? So the product physical exists on ground. We just have to take that experience and give them that ex- better experience virtually. So how do you measure the success or impact of Vama? 
I think uh, too early to measure success, uh, but I think uh, like every founder, we look at daily reports. Uh, but if you were to ask me, the big thing is how many temples can I bring on the platform and how many customers can experience those platforms? India has more than a million plus temples, right? Uh, how many temples will exist, come on Harman's platform? For me, that's the final success. And can I build a platform or a product that customers genuinely love? We are in the business of providing faith. Right? Faith is zero or one. There is no gray. Right? If I'm able to get that to customers, then I think we are successful. But on a daily basis, business, we have business KPIs that run. Uh, we are a monetization first company. Barat comes from my background. Uh, I always I'm conscious of how much money are we losing every month, right? Very conscious, right? Huh? I mean, and we never, and it's also a function of how much money we have raised till now. We never had, so we've always built product like that, right? One of the big metrics I drive is that how many people actually pay versus how many open the app, right? So for me, daily active users has no meaning unless you are a paying user or you're at least consuming a service from us. How do you see evolving? I mean, the product evolving in the next five years. You mentioned about the products and that you are trying new features. So what will be the next five years? I think the only, like the closest example uh, that I think of that exists uh, is Gojek in Indonesia for travel for everything, right? Uh, it's a super app, right? Like you would you would use it for booking a cab, you would use it for ordering food, you would use it for courier. Can Vama be that app for Indians for spirituality? If you want to go to a temple, can I book a travel? Can you do virtual? And, and if I can't travel, can I virtually see the temple? Can I virtually donate to the temple? Can I speak to national audience? So all and so online and offline will submerge uh, into one into a platform which would have a 360 degree impact of building this product for spirituality. So this Vama is completely different with other startups or ventures. If you compare, how did you uh, talk with uh, venture capitals funds and uh, um, I mean raise funding uh, in earlier uh, rounds? I think uh, raising capital for three average forty-year-old founders is anyways difficult. <laughs> a lot of a lot of VCs expect younger founders, uh, and the space also, right? Like it's not fintech. There are not, you know, there are no parallels for people to draw. Like okay, the, and everyone knows this business exists. Uh, we were fortunate to get early set of backers, uh, and after that, it's just been purely on numbers, Barak. Uh, it's just purely. People can't say no to businesses which are scaling at a unit economic profitable level, right? Uh, that's what I've realized, right? You, you can try to play different games or themes on the VC business, but I think uh, fundamentally good businesses which are which can be scaled will attract enough VC attention. We have had our share of rejections. Uh, I've had a time where I went to sixty-three rejections. Uh, I remember being down in the dumps, uh, just figuring out, okay, is this even working? Because the business is doing well, right? Like business is growing, you're not burning too much cash, but uh, people just, there was no precedence of people putting money in this sector, right? Uh, cut that to today, I think we are fortunate that this sector is getting its due finally. Spirituality India is getting its due uh, now, right? So I think people will have it definitely not this difficult to raise capital anymore in this sector. 
What has been the most surprising feedback from your users? I think uh, one of the things that I have loved is that there have been cases where people have so much faith in temples and they cannot travel because of some physical conditions, right? Uh, and we have been able to help them in the virtual uh, darshan or the virtual visit for that temple. I think how they, the gratitude that they feel for us uh, is really mind-boggling, right? Like we have had, we have had occasions where customers have paid $1,500 for a virtual process because they wanted a specific thing at a temple, right? So I think that gratitude of people that you're able to connect them to their God uh, is really satisfying. So how does uh, Vama foster the sense of community and belonging among its users? Did you create think- the community? Yeah, I think we're still very early in our community days. Uh, Like I said, we are building from zero to one. Uh, We have an active community on Instagram that we that uh, usually that we run uh, contests for that we run engage with. But I think that's one thing that we are trying to build, uh, like an active community. We have a community today. Uh, We are building it. I think we are also taking baby steps on building this right community. Everyone has very strong opinions about God, right? about their own God. So I think we are, we are just traversing those uh, days now where I think uh, we should have a nice community where people like to share about audio podcasts. So there we run, one of the big things in our community that has done well is that we have run spiritual audio podcasts, right? Uh, which are done by famous, very famous priests. So people like to share those in communities. So your background comes from company background, white color You started uh, with your career uh, in companies. And is it your first entrepreneurship experience? And uh, how did you meet your co-founders? And what did you learn in this time frame you set up your uh, company? Yeah, so I think I've been working in jobs for about 12 years. This is my second entrepreneurship uh, stint. My first business is a lifestyle company. Uh, services-based, uh, small revenue. Wife runs that business. I've been hands-off of it now for about five years. Uh, I think my co-founders and me, like I mentioned, come from the telecom operator ecosystem. We have been now friends for 15 years. Uh, we had met in 2009. Uh, I was working for a company called 197. Uh, a was a content provider and we were selling to Himanshu, who was, who was a client. I think the learnings uh, in this journey, building Vama, like now it's been about three plus years that we've been doing this. It's it's definitely taken more than uh, what I would have thought. Like no job teaches you entrepreneurship, right? Like you have to, you have to learn this the hard way. Um, but the high of jobs, right? The high of building something. Uh, like in a day, I could have an epic moment, right? Uh, that high is, I've never felt it in job, right? And now I feel after certain, I'm, I'm unemployable. Uh, this adrenaline rush of doing your own thing is, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that comes close to this. Explain unemployable. Unemplo- <laughs> What does it mean? Uh, I don't think I can work for anyone now, Barak. I think uh, the, the freedom of working for yourself and impacting others around you in this entrepreneurship journey 
makes you unemployable, right? Like I don't want to go to a nine to five job, right? Like uh, people ask me, when do you work? I said, if I'm awake, I'm working. This is my, this is my baby, right? Like I have two daughters and I have mama, right? Like, uh, so it's, it's the same. They say failure is the best teacher, failure. Can you share a moment from your entrepreneurship journey twice you have? So that didn't go as planned. And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think, I think fundraising for us has been very difficult uh, because imagine we are not typical founders, right? Like uh, we're, 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 we come from a very diverse background. Like one of our co-founders doesn't understand English. Uh, so it's very difficult for him to get into meetings and he comes with a certain person. And, and this is my, I think one of my biggest low points in this business was we needed capital to scale. Unit economics were well, everything was going well. We just wouldn't, we would we couldn't even meet partners at VC funds. And I, I cold email, I've done everything. And I reached a point of 64 odd rejections at that point. And that's literally when I thought that maybe I'm doing something wrong, right? Um, and it's not working out. Uh, partners would not come and meet us. They would get their associates to suddenly meet us last minute, right? Uh, a lot of things were happening for us at that point. I mean, there is revenue, there's everything. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I think that... That was one of my biggest things, right? And I remember, I'm fortunate to have friends like you looking over us. Uh, and one of my closest friends who I really admire as an entrepreneur, right? He's built really large businesses, exited to IPOs. And he said he had faced 110 rejections on his first fundraise. So they said 100 is the magic number. If you get 100 rejections, you're on the wrong path. So I, I reached 62. Uh, and... And then I started learning the art of adapting to every pitch. Like after every rejection, I would go change my deck for the next one, right? I realized the numbers that I was showing, but what, what they wanted to see, what I was talking was different, right? So uh, I think that really was one of our lowest points. I, I think that's as close to failure. That Entrepreneurship is often compared like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. If you had a, peak, a theme park ride, that best describes your experience, what would it be? And what do you do in the um, tough times? And how do you uh, get back up? I didn't understand the first part of the question. <clears throat> so what describes your experience, uh, best experience uh, about the roller coaster ride? It is up and downs. So uh, yeah. describe your experience. Is it is it like that for you too? Yeah. Uh... I think uh, there is a meme on the internet, right? It just says a day in the life of an entrepreneur, right? I could wake up at 10 o'clock. I could feel on top of the world. I'm going to change everything. At 12 o'clock, something could happen. And I'm like, shit, why did I even start doing this? And it's the and forget, like you would have the moments in the day, right? I think that's, that's the best. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship, right? Like in a day twice, you would feel I am on top of the world. I have won over everything, right? And you would also feel the same day that why the hell am I doing this, right? Like why I should just I should just go, right? I should do something. Else. So I completely believe it. Yeah, I think I, I I think, but that's the fun of doing it. Right? There's nothing, no job, uh, gives you this. Right? Like no job prepares you for this. Right? Like this these kind of emotion rushes. Like your top like your top performer uh, wants to leave one day for whatever it's worth. Right? Like uh, there's nothing that you can do for it. So if 
if there were a time machine and if you could go back in time, give yourself uh, one piece of advice to younger entrepreneur of yourself, what would it be? I think I would have just started entrepreneurship five years before. Uh, I was too scared of starting it. Uh, I wanted a safety net around me. Uh, there is no safety net in entrepreneurship. That's the beauty of it. Right? Like, I wish I, someone would have told me 10 years ago, start after five years of your job. That's it. Or six years of your job. I would have just started early. I might have failed. But uh, like, this is a rush, right? Like, you have to experience it, entrepreneurship to to live it. There's nothing, there's nothing that comes. This is not a, like a roller coaster is for four minutes. Imagine you're living four years on a roller coaster. So do you use your own product for uh, um, for your own burnout experiences or difficult yeah. experiences? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I've become more spiritual. Uh, I was. I think all of us are spiritual in our in our own way. I think I've become much more. Uh, I do my annual astrology readings. Uh, you know, uh, for the temples, uh, I'm a devote of Shivji, which is a god. Uh, so every Monday I would do a virtual darshan. Uh, on- so what keeps you awake at night nowadays? What are the risks that you uh, feel to going to face? I think it's not about the risks. I think what keeps me awake is that opportunity that I'm sitting on. And if I'm not going to do it, someone else is going to come and do this. So can I be the? Can I make sure that I'm the first guy in that race to do it? Like I really feel there's a river flowing. I need to have a bucket to pull out and run it, right? Like literally, like someone will build one of India's largest companies or at least two or three of us will build the largest businesses out of India will be in this business. Can I be one of them, right? That keeps me awake. So what is the typical day look like for you? How do you start? How do you finish? Is it a flow? So I start my day usually early, Burak. I'm in office. Usually I'm the one of the first five people in office. Um, I, I clear my, I, I, I try to operate on a zero inbox, right? So that takes about two hours, uh, for me. Um, uh, I usually have a meeting with all my team leads, uh, you know, to find out what's happening. Uh, I personally also drive two functions in the company. So I would spend more time like part, like partnerships is something that I drive myself, uh, a bit of product also. So I would have, uh, daily huddles, uh, with them to figure out what's happening. Uh, I have lunch with uh, entire team. I I'm I'm known in the office to steal people lunches. I will take a bite out of everyone's lunch. I think I believe it helps to build camaraderie in the team. Uh, if you if you if you eat lunch with strangers on the on the on the table, right, you become family, right. So I try to do that uh, every day. My lunch is shared with everyone, so we all have common lunches. Uh, yeah, and I think. A general catch-up with trying to get to know what's happening on the ecosystem also is quite important for me. So what recently you have read or listened for the podcast or some movies that you have uh, watched? I, I watched Alexander, uh, the, the series on Netflix very recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's a master of how he looks to uh, take over, right? Like how he he's also battling himself right or he's self-doubting and he's then winning uh, yeah but I, I think my reading habit has become an all-time low since i've become an entrepreneur i i, I just don't have the time to read 
uh, I'm on a couple of podcasts that I try to listen to, but they are more trying to just cut me away from uh, just work, right? Like for me, they are my downtime. Uh, That's great. So, what is the fun fact about yourself that not many people know? I play blaring Punjabi or hard techno music on a Monday morning in office. Uh, <laughs> so it's my it's 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 how I de-stress, right? Okay, if I have an important call, uh, there's music in the background and it's blaring, right? People can't work in this office, and they're complaining to me saying that how are we supposed to work? Uh, but yeah, I think we all have fun, right? And that's what. It has been an absolute pleasure, Mona, having you uh, today uh, on the podcast. And thank you for sharing your experiences and lots thank of so much, uh, great stories. Thank you very much. Okay, bye now.